Hey everyone, what is up? How is it going? Welcome to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Now, we've talked about this many times before, but the beautiful thing about this show, and we've just recently hit our one-year anniversary of the show, is that the connections and the network effect of the guests who've come on, the friends I've made through producing these episodes, has just been absolutely breathtaking. It's been a blast. And today's guest is another one of those great connections. Larry Joya from episode three connected me with Hassan Osman, a really bright, intelligent, hardworking guy, very high-ranking PMO manager at Cisco, but has also published two books about helping people be more efficient in the digital workplace. It's a tricky place to negotiate and with constantly changing rules of engagement and etiquette, you need someone who can show you the way. And that's exactly what Hassan is looking to do. His most recent book, Don't Reply All, teaches just the basics of telecommunication and getting your point across in a concise, understandable, polite way. I encourage everyone to check it out, but also to pay close attention to our interview. So without further ado, here is Hassan Osman. So, Hassan, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I'm really excited. Thanks for having me, Aaron. You are a very busy guy uh, holding down a pretty high-level job over at Cisco and simultaneously publishing books. So I kind of wanted to start off both by just giving you a chance to talk about the books that you've published, but really get into how you're finding the time or, or how you're going about balancing producing these works while also keeping the lights on and paying the nine to five. Yeah, absolutely. So I've written a couple of books. One is called Don't Reply All and the other is called Influencing Virtual Teams. And both those books kind of touch upon uh, my day to day job and you know share some advice on helping other managers in similar situations on uh, improving their email communication or in in terms of managing their remote employees. And, you know, they kind of start with at least my current job. So I'm a PMO manager at Cisco Systems. Uh, PMO stands for Project Management Office. I have a team of around 20 project and program managers who um, basically deliver projects and programs for our customers across the entire U.S. East Coast. And uh, as part of my job, they are in a remote environment. So we're all a virtual team. Most of us work from home most of the time. And we do travel sometimes for customer visits and that sort of capacity. But most of the time, it's working uh, remotely. We don't see each other face to face. It's on rare occasions that we do. And because of that, due to the nature of that sort of arrangement, we deal a lot with teleworking, telecommuting, uh, communicating through email, communicating through collaboration software such as WebEx. And so there's a slightly different skill set than managing people who you, who you don't see. And so the books kind of touch upon both of those areas. And one kind of is dedicated to email communication and the other is really about management and the psychology of how you lead uh, when you're not in the same physical space. You know, we've had a couple other authors on the show here. And one of the things uh, one of the authors, Ben Carlson, said was don't write a book 
until it's just screaming to come out of you because it can be an intensive process making multiple drafts just really you know churning out the the words required for it to actually fill up an entire book what experiences have you had maybe specifically that led you to the realization that people are struggling with these topics they're struggling uh or maybe not struggling but could be doing better at working in virtual teams and communicating in these ways more effectively and finally pushed you to actually put this stuff together? Yeah, great question. So, you know, my my thoughts on writing a book is basically scratching an itch, right? So if you know of a specific pain point that your peers or people in a similar type of job have, then addressing that problem and solving it for them is a great first step in terms of defining what the idea or topic of your book is about. Uh, in my case, you know, starting with don't reply all, I get over 400 emails a day. And those do not include spam or junk mail, right? This is actual email communication, whether it's from my own teams or escalations about something going south or uh, just corporate communications that are blasted out. And I do believe that email is just part of the job, right? I mean, you're just going to get a lot of it. It's not the quantity that bothers me, but rather the quality of emails. So, a lot of people you know, are still used to writing seven or eight paragraph long emails. And within those emails, it's just hidden action items. You don't understand what's the point. There are questions in like the second paragraph, fourth sentence. And it's just very confusing to the recipient to understand what is actually needed on their end. And so as a matter of fact, there's like an acronym now called TLDR, which stands for too long, didn't read. And, um, and because of that, because of the quality of emails, it just sucks up a lot of your time that you don't have. And so I realize this is a big problem with a lot of managers and a lot of uh, project managers and, and program managers in the space that I work in. And so I wrote that book based on those sort of pain points, right? That's seeing and being at the receiving end of something that's just very frustrating, uh, including the reply all syndrome, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been at the end of that where someone just, you know, reply back to an email and then 50 other people reply all and it's just never ending <laughs> and very frustrating that it's just clogging your inbox with useless stuff that doesn't apply to you. So that's sort of one of the tactics is not, you know, don't reuse reply all and unless obviously all the recipients need to be copied on it, right? So things like that basically and, and to your podcast uh, guest's point, absolutely. I think you should wait until you, you have that pain point or that topic that's streaming out of you that needs to be written about because otherwise you might just be writing about something that's not interesting or people are just not into at one point. For sure. I, I've uh, been on a few Ultimate Frisbee teams where there's like one small piece of information that's needed from every person. Like what time can you leave on Friday or what's your jersey size, something like that. It really just requires a reply back to the person asking the question. And there's the five to 10 people who don't know about not replying all and just blows up your inbox. And you're just like, why am I receiving these messages? It <laughs> totally, totally resonates with me for sure. I'm curious where you're coming from this background with Cisco and you're talking about how this is very clearly something that can be implemented by bigger organizations and large teams. Do you see this also really being applicable to folks in the startup space as well, whether maybe their their entire company is less than 20 people? Um, or did you really have this a, with a specific demographic in mind? Oh, it definitely applies to everywhere, right? So the, the um, tactics in the book do cover both 
startups as well as large organizations because the the principles of it are really the same, right? So I'll give you a couple of ex examples of it. Um, one thing is that I mentioned in the book is about writing the perfect subject line, right? So a lot of times you have a subject line that doesn't summarize uh, what the email is about, right? It just says something like tomorrow. And then you kind of have to open that subject or that email and figure out what that discussion is about. Versus in, in some cases, given that everyone in my mind has attention deficit disorder these days, it's way better to actually summarize what your subject of the email is about in the subject line, right? It just keeps things neat. And if you do have any kind of conversation going on between different team members, that just makes things a lot easier and you can retrieve that information, right? So tips about things like that. Another is about long e emails. As I mentioned earlier, no one reads them anymore. People just scan emails. And so in certain cases, if you're in a startup and you need to kind of summarize what happened with a customer and kind of want to blast an email out to your team, instead of writing 10 paragraphs, what you can do is just break your long email into two parts, have a quick summary section at the top, you know, five sentences or less is the guideline, and then give additional details uh, at the bottom and kind of highlight those separately, right? Just say quick summary, here's what you need to know, here's what you need to do. And then if people need more additional information, they can go through that. So it definitely applies across the board and not just for uh, large organizations. Absolutely. I'm curious if you have much experience with Slack or some of these other group messaging platforms, because a lot of the people who use this or are proponents of it like to say that it could replace email or fill that space and, and hopefully kind of break people of some of these bad email habits. As part of an organization that does use Slack, email definitely certainly still has its place. Uh, but it has kind of affected how often I go to the inbox versus going to the group messaging service to kind of communicate with the other people who I'm working with. Uh, do you see that having an effect or, or eventually replacing email or do you see it as something that's more complementary? I'm glad you asked that question. I really think it's the latter. I think it's going to be something that's complementary to email. I don't personally believe email is going to go away anytime soon particularly in a very large organization such as the one I work for, right? And, and the reason why is because the way I view tools or technology applications is them solving a specific problem or solving a, a specific job, right? They, they, they are there to do a specific task for you. With Slack, it's a collaboration tool that helps you communicate with, with your peers on a specific project or you're discussing a specific topic, right? Whereas things like corporate communications, like for example, my HR system where they need to send me emails or updates about something related to payroll or I need to, you know, refresh my laptop, meaning sending it in and, and get a new one. There's no way you can actually have multiple Slack uh, accounts or, or different chat sessions that go on with those different things for compliance and so on and so forth. So you absolutely need email for a lot of the corporate communications that are out there. Um, but I do see where email is not the ultimate solution for certain things like collaboration, right? You definitely need a tool like Slack. We use something called Spark at Cisco, but there are a lot of other tools as well where you, you have a much better flow in terms of, you know, hashtagging and, and, and tagging other people and asking them about it and then having a centralized repository for that specific project. And so, yeah, I don't believe email is going to go away anytime soon. And, and matter of fact, <laughs> I've, been, I've been reading about email dying soon for the last 20 years, and we're just <laughs> using more email today than we've ever used before. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. I uh, want to change uh, pace here just a little bit and talk about the writing process. Plenty of listeners out there who 
are interested in maybe one day writing a book for themselves. And we've had, like I said, different authors on describe their writing process. And some people are borderline robotic, punching out, you know, 1,000, 2,000 words per day. Other people, you know, kind of on again, off again style of writing. So I'm curious with you, you know, managing this other job, but still putting out, you know, two very widely read successful books out on Amazon. Can you elaborate a little bit on your writing process, um, maybe what the pace was, how you took notes, how you made sure that you were hitting all the key points? I know you have your list of, of, of key rules for email tactics and, and just kind of what went into developing those and communicating them in a clear and concise way. Yeah, absolutely. So. I don't have a very structured process per se, right? I mean, I'm all over the place, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) I do have one thing I stick to, and that is writing something every day or, or putting some sort of attention on the book at least five days a week. And that's because I just want to keep the momentum going. So one day it might be just, I call this vomiting ideas on on the screen, right? Just kind of putting anything and everything that comes into my mind about what I think I should write about. And one thing that has worked very well for me is that I separate the writing process from the editing process, right? So a lot of times what writers do is they try to write in the perfect prose thinking that, you know, the first draft is the one that's going into publication. And that can be very debilitating, right? You need to have some sort of um, mechanism in which you capture your ideas, whether it's in bullet points or it's in, you know, just conversational style of just exactly how you 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 speak and, and putting that on paper and just let the ideas flow. So one day I would just keep on going, right? For half an hour, I just write everything that comes to mind about a specific topic. I imagine someone just like you interviewing me and asking me questions about it and what my response would be about a specific topic. And then on another day, I'd go back, reread it after I you know, slept on it and then try to figure out what's the best way to you know, phrase that idea or, or put it together. And I, ca- I kind of keep doing that on and off. Another thing that I think would be very valuable to, to your listeners to know is that when you write about a specific topic, the best sort of strategy I do is I look at books that are already published about that specific topic, and I start reading the reviews about it, right? I don't read what the book itself, but I, I read what people liked about it and what people didn't like about it. And the critical reviews or what people didn't like about it is actually a lot more insightful than what people liked about a specific book or a specific topic. And you can learn so much about what not to do and what to focus on when you're kind of putting together the the structure or, or the you know table of contents of your book and, and what pain points people want to cover. So in my case, for example, when I was kind of researching some books out there, a lot of the critical reviews were, were saying, well, you know, we're sick and tired of reading a lot about how to get to inbox zero, right? Meaning to ha- how to kind of manage your email where you're you, you never have any unopened email. You either kind of archive them or delegate them or what have you. But people wanted to, to focus more on the, the aspect of writing good emails and improving communication. And so that's where I kind of focused my niche on. And that's where my, my don't reply all book is about not increasing your productivity and, and you know, saving a few seconds every day and when, you know, where you kind of write faster or what have you. But it's more about the quality versus the quantity. So, you know, ideas such as that help a ton, especially when you work a full time job. Right. You don't have a lot of time to spend on going all in on a book and you really want to look at some time saving tactics. So that's where I 
recommend that your your listeners actually focus on, and that is spending a little bit of time every day on the book to get that going. And one other thing that's a big misconception is that people think that you have to write like a 350-page book for it to be successful. And the fact is people don't have time to read all of that. They actually want and like the fact that there are some very concise books out there. And that's a win-win for uh, everyone, right? For you as an author uh, slash entrepreneur, that just makes it a lot easier for you to write something that's not that overwhelming. You know, my books are at around like 70 pages each. So that's like a really long term paper. And readers actually love it as well because it doesn't waste their time. It solves a specific problem and you don't focus on a lot of fluff that, you know, that they don't care about. Absolutely. I'm curious from the point of, all right, all right, I'm going to start working on either one of the books. I'm going to start working on it to final draft completed, approximately how long that took you. And then if there's any advice you wish you could have given to the Hassan before he wrote the books uh, that you know now that would have made the process a little bit easier or efficient. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say around six months doing it on a part-time basis for around maybe half an hour, 45 minutes a day, uh, five days a week was what it took me to write both of the books. So, you know, that's an approximate uh, timeline. Obviously, if you're a faster writer, it'll take you a lot less. And if you're a slower writer or you take your time and you're more of a perfectionist, it'll probably take you a little bit longer. Um, My suggestion is don't publish until you are uh, true to yourself about the contents of it and you are proud of what you put out there, right? Because a book is an extension of your brand and you're not there to defend it once it's out, right? So people are going to download it, they're going to read it, and they're going to form this opinion about you that you can't defend at that at that point in time, other than, you know, obviously if they, they write a review about it. However, if, if you just publish for the sake of publishing or saying that you have a book out there and it sucks, <laughs> then it's more of a liability than not publishing anything at all, right? So that's my biggest sort of advice for someone who's thinking about that because a lot of people just focus on the money-making aspect of it. And even though there are some people who are successful from a Kindle publishing perspective, you shouldn't think about writing a book as a money-making mechanism as as much as it's about a brand-building mechanism, right? So you can upsell more things down the line. So I have, for example, uh, courses that I teach online that are about the similar uh, topics that I write about in the books and people who enjoy like the low cost book and want to take it to the next level could sign up for like a Udemy course and, and take that. Right. Or if they want me to speak at their organization or give sort of a half day training course, that's where you, you're going to probably make more money than just uh, the peanuts you make with with the actual Kindle book itself. So, you know, that's that's sort of my advice from a Kindle publishing perspective. And to answer your your second question, which is about any lessons learned if I talk to myself, you know, before I publish the book, and that would be, you know, spend more time researching online and get more feedback while you're writing your book as opposed to after, right? So a lot of times what I would do is I'd, I'd write the book, I'd publish it, and then I'd get a lot of great constructive feedback from some of my peers or people who... I don't know saying, well, you didn't cover this or you could have covered this a little bit better. And so a lesson learned is that it's 
great if you start getting feedback on select chapters, right? So if as you're writing uh, and you have like three chapters that are complete, maybe send those to three of your friends and just ask for generic feedback about what they think about it. So you make it easy on them where they don't have to read the entire manuscript, but just like a couple of pages and give you some sort of constructive criticism that help you refine the book as you go along. In my case, it was more of the editing right at the end where, you know, I sent it out to editors and, and proofreaders. And then it took me a little bit more time to actually go in and, and clean that up as opposed to doing it a little bit earlier and more efficient. That's excellent advice. I, I think that there's a lot that people can take away from that, Hassan. I want to hit you with a couple uh, quick questions. It doesn't have to be quick answers, but a few quick questions before we start wrapping up here. If you could speak to some of the recent grads, this is coming out in June, but even if folks who've uh, graduated in the last few years are entering a workforce where virtual teams and working remotely is only going to increase and become more commonplace. Uh, I know my, my mother, who's been uh, working in the same office with her company for uh, something going on 20 years now, is actually going to start working remotely here towards the end of the year. So it's it's continuing uh, continuing shift that we're seeing in the economy now. What advice would you give them as they're entering this type of work experience to help them be successful early on? Yeah, great question. So I would say the first thing is that pick up any soft skills that you can to be able to be effective in a virtual team environment, right? So a lot of the uh, skill set that is lacking, if you will, in virtual teams is communication techniques and skill set that is very um, important in that sort of setting. And what I mean by that is focus on how to present online, whether it's you know going through PowerPoints with only audio as opposed to being in front of an audience and giving that presentation and watching your pace, watching uh, maybe even recording that and seeing how it sounds at the receiving end so that you can modify that going forward, as well as writing experience, right? Business communication, writing emails, writing reports. Those are soft skills that obviously you work a lot on in college but are extremely important when you get into the workplace. And even more important that you start looking at virtual teams, and that's the way of the future, right? I mean, now going forward, it's just increasing in terms of the amount of people who work remotely and are not physically co-located in the same space. And so understanding different backgrounds, different cultures, you're most probably going to be dealing with other countries, you know, India, China. And you need to understand that sometimes the way you communicate with a certain culture or people from a different background might be different than how you communicate with them in the U.S., right? So getting exposed to that, taking courses about it, reading books, just about multicultural global teams uh, is going to be something that is a huge transferable skill anywhere you go later on in your career, right? So I would highly, highly recommend that you focus a lot of time and energy on that. But I'd also like to mention one other thing for recent grads, and that is don't focus only on the job that you get, uh, I want to give a great shout out to Larry Joya, who actually connected you and I, Aaron, right, uh, on this podcast. Uh, Larry is a great thought leader in a very huge organization, and yet he still has a lot of his, you know, side hustle projects going on, right? I know he's very active with his kayaking initiatives, with Dynamic Paddlers. Uh, he also has a lot of time uh, to give back to the community with the Pittsburgh Kindness Initiative. And so doing things that are beyond just your job, whether it's volunteering or some sort of an entrepreneurship venture is just going to add more to your skill set 
and act as a great diversifying portfolio of being able to you know, fall back on some sort of um, a side job or a side skill that could help you, God forbid, you lose your job or you need to kind of move into a different track. So I would say for recent grads, it's highly imperative that you just don't focus on one job, but always go with a side hustle and, and do something else uh, while, you're, while you're focusing on your career. Absolutely. Larry is the man and definitely a role model for me in that area as well. Uh, episode three of this show, he was a very, very early guest. So we love Larry and appreciate the connection and finally getting to have you on here, Hassan. That was such a good answer that I think we're just going to wrap up there because it was just a great note to, uh, to end on. If folks want to learn more about you, connect with you and, and chat further, what are your digital coordinates that we can direct them to? So my the best place to actually reach me is on my blog. It's the couchmanager.com. Uh, there's an about me page there and I have all my LinkedIn, my Twitter, Facebook uh, accounts listed. So feel free uh, to connect with me or even drop me an email. I do have my email listed there as well. So all in one place, it's the couchmanager.com and I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. We will link to that in the show notes for this episode, goingdeepwitharen.com slash podcast, the best place to find that. Uh, Hassan, thank you so much for coming on. You have just dropped a ton of knowledge on us here in these uh, 25 minutes. I want to give you the mic one last time, though, so that you can take it away with your personal challenge for the audience. Yes. And I would say my personal challenge to the audience is to write something every day, five days a week, 20 minutes a day so that you verbalize or put whatever thoughts about your experiences, whether it's personal or professional, down on paper or on the screen. And I think doing that not only helps you become a better thinker, but it also helps your idea juices going so that you become a much better thought leader going forward. I think that is the best advice that was given to me by thought leaders out there in the space. And it has helped me tremendously. You could start the blog just to kind of have that on there. But even if you're only going to read what you write, writing down something about whether it's an entrepreneurship venture or uh, lessons learned that you got for 20, 25 minutes a day, five days a week is going to do a huge, huge favor for you and the way in which you think going forward. I could not agree more. I know that when I started writing more regularly uh, and before that, I kind of thought that writing was just something I wasn't good at, almost like how a lot of people say, oh, I'm not good at math or something like that. And once you start doing it regularly, you kind of realize like so many other things, it's really a muscle. You can get better at it. You can train for it, become more efficient at it. So that is a fantastic challenge. Hope everyone out there goes ahead and takes you up on that. But uh, just one last time, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. I had a blast. We just went deep with Hassan Osman. Hope everyone out there has a great day. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Hassan for coming on the show. If you want to check out my interview with Larry Joya, that's episode three. But I'd also direct you to episode 83 with Christy Woolsey. We spent a lot of time talking about virtual teams, the future of work, and what offices are going to look like in the future if they even exist. She's a big hand in designing those and thinking about those. I think you'll take a lot away from that conversation. If you enjoyed the conversation that you listened to today, please make sure you head over to iTunes 
iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening to this, and give us a thumbs up. A positive rating and review goes a long way in the growth and development of the show. I would really appreciate that. And if you know anyone who is working virtually and would benefit from the good things that Hassan has to say, direct them to his book or to this episode. We'd love to help more people. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.